Yo, hello everyone. New podcast episode. Uh, this week is going to be awesome because I'm going to sit down with one of my childhood friends. So it's going to be like a little, I don't know, trip down memory lane. But you want to say what's up, Alex? Hey, what's up? Uh, he's super awesome because he does his own thing. He's an entrepreneur himself and he's has tons of random adventures and stories. And just I think he has a lot of insight on some interesting perspectives on running your own business and that kind of thing so i thought it'd be a good fit for the podcast but so we'll start off with just kind of going over the basic stuff who are you what do you do for a living uh my name is alex hilton and i uh for a living am a photographer and videographer i do a lot of uh wedding photography real estate photography and product photography um along with like wedding videos and then other kind of videos here and there and then i also ride bmx and performance shows around the state and wasn't that what you did at first, and then the photography stuff came later? Yeah, so I started out as a BMX rider. Um, you actually got me into it in middle school, um, and we started riding together just at, like, the park and stuff. Yeah, with our little group of friends. <laughs> yeah. Eli bit. used to skate, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've also been known to do bike stuff. <laughs> We'd hang out at the park and go go around to different spots and stuff. And uh, then I think freshman year in high school, I started going to the factory um, in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, you were a member there. Yeah. I just started going, uh, <laughs> like paying per session and then just stuck with it since then. What I was curious. Cause I remember when we used to ride around just in the neighborhood, like you got so discouraged all the time from riding BMX cause you couldn't learn like certain tricks. Yeah. But then as soon as you got a pass to the factory, you just like blew up and the motivation was like through the roof. Yeah. So when we were just riding around in the streets, like as kids, everyone was like way better than me. And like, I've had, I've had times where I was like, I don't even want to do this anymore. Everyone's <laughs> so much better than me. And I suck at this. Like, why am I right wasting my time doing this? And then, yeah, when I got to the factory, I probably didn't do anything really for the first, like, year, year and a half, like, oh, wow. trick-wise. Trick mm-hmm. um, I just was learning, like, the basics of getting speed to actually jump the box jump and, like, yeah. learn how to m- make it over it mm-hmm. and stuff. And, like, so. air and quarter pipes and stuff. Yeah. That's, like, stuff that you need to know because I've tried doing that on your bike at the factory, and I wouldn't even, like – I know you have to have, like, pedals in certain positions and stuff like that, and you have to really, like – pump the ramps and stuff and i can't even do that yeah so it took me like a year and a half to figure those basic things out (laughs) before i even decided that oh yeah i probably can start learning tricks now Mm -hmm. that's really cool and then so how did photography get kind of thrown into the mix because i mean how did you find out that that was a major passion of yours i know was it just of your sister doing photography or so like two and a half three years ago i had an injury my acl i tore Um, oh yeah yeah when i dislocated my knee and uh ended up in the hospital overnight. I couldn't ride a bike for 10 months. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of wanted to find something to do to like fill my time when I couldn't ride my bike. Yeah. And since Maya was into photography, my sister, um, I was like, Oh, that sounds like fun. I've always kind of been interested in photography and filming and stuff like Mm -hmm. because of BMX. Right. And, uh, so I had access to her camera and I just started taking pictures on her camera and I was having fun with it. So then I went out and bought my own camera and <laughs> started from there. Started from there. What did cool. you, what did you start taking pictures of? Like what were the first things that you, um, I've always really enjoyed like cityscapes and landscapes and stuff. Okay. Um, it's like buildings, that kind of thing. Yep. So like in downtown Minneapolis, I always have fun taking pictures down there. So do you like those more so than nature stuff or like of foresty trees and whatnot or like nature scenes? Yeah, I think so. I think I like cityscapes and like uh, architecture okay. a lot in pictures. So hmm. um, getting creative with that. That's awesome. 
when you had that injury, how hard was it for you? Because I'm sure BMX is like the only like you literally woke up, yeah. eat, breathe, sleep BMX. How was that transition for you not being able to ride at all for 10 months? And then even after 10 months, you could barely like pedal around the block. It was pretty tough because uh, right before that injury, I was riding like six hours a day, six days mm-hmm. a week, like pretty much every day I'd take like a day off. But right. then I had that injury and then like it was kind of like a realization for me, like this isn't going to be like a long term thing. And that's why I got into photography. But um it was definitely hard going through like the whole recovery process. And then like when I could actually get on a bike again, it was really frustrating because I couldn't do any of the stuff I could do before. Like, right. I forgot all of it. Yeah. And so it was like a relearning process for everything over again. How did you get over that barrier of fear? Cause I know you're still dealing with that a little bit to an extent of like learning all the tricks back. Cause you don't want to injure yourself again that severely. Yeah. So probably it took me like, eight months to start like feeling comfortable on my bike again after I could start riding again. So almost two years before you're back. (laughs) And then, so two months after that, I actually broke my leg riding in a show. What? So (laughs) that was like 10 months after I just started riding again. Yeah. So that was pretty tough. And then I, that healed pretty quick. I was only off my bike for like two and a half months from that one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then since then that was um last or two summers ago now so since then just now i'm starting to feel comfortable again like i'm i'm probably like the most comfortable i've ever been on a bike okay right now so Mm -hmm. even before your acl injury yeah i'd say so i have like i've taught myself like before my ACL injury, I kind of like like rushing tricks and like mm. just doing crazy stuff all the time. Like, like I have learning, to learn this, learning something new, learning something new, and like these injuries like kind of forced me to slow down and like learn bike control. Oh, and like sure. I have like a lot more control over my bike and body mm-hmm. when I'm riding now. So you have a different perspective on it. Definitely a different perspective. I'm more careful and I feel calculated. Yeah, I'm way more precise with my riding now than I was before. So. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you do you like your riding style more so now than it before? Yeah, definitely. It feels a lot more comfortable than it ever has. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's cool. Uh, so this is going to go into a little bit more of the entrepreneurial small business side. What is your favorite thing about being self-employed and why, do you, why is that your favorite thing? And then also on the flip side, what's the worst thing about it and why? So that's a good question because – my favorite part about it is that you have to like be really motivated to go out and find work all the time. And mm-hmm. you're like to get that paycheck and stuff, you have to be actively looking for jobs and working with people all the time. But that can also be the downside too, because if you're not finding those things and you're not having money come in, but sure. it's also like really like self-fulfilling when you're like getting the that work all the time and you're like, wow, yeah. this is working out for me really well. You, you have kinda, a good long streak. Yeah, mm-hmm. you kind of have to be a lot more responsible for yourself because you're the one who's deciding, oh, I want to make money doing this. Because if you didn't have that motivation, that means you'd probably want, you wouldn't do it. Therefore, you wouldn't have a paycheck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cyclical. Yeah. So is it, so the worst part of it, you'd say, was kind of the flip side where it's like it's can be hard sometimes to find that work? Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to be motivated when you've like worked with like a bad client or something. You're like, oh, you're yeah. Like, drains your motivation to want to keep working with people because some people are just terrible and like 
they don't want to buy your work after they've hired you to do it and oh. then you don't get paid from certain jobs and then mm -hmm. it just doesn't work out sometimes but on the other side of that too you find these other clients that just keep coming back over and over again really and loyal and you're always working with the same people consistently and that's nice too mm -hmm. so it's, that's interesting. Do you think that uh, like when you work with these the people who give you headaches and it's just a pain in the ass to work with, do you think that's more so just because they're wrapped in their own head or in their own vision of what they want everything to look like? In my experience, I think a lot of them don't understand how photography works. I think they think any photographer can give them their vision when in reality, like a photographer works for a long time to develop like their own their own style and stuff. Mm -hmm. And you should hire a photographer based on their style if like you're like looking for a specific style, you like match it with a photographer that has the same style that you're looking for. Sure. Instead of trying to have someone who developed a certain style over years of practice, like change their whole style to like match what you want. Mm -hmm. That I, goes with like sound engineering as well. Like mm -hmm. you, you get someone to mix your stuff that, the way you want, or like there's famous engineers because they're good at what they do and they have a certain sound. People will go to them, go to them because they're good at it or they mm -hmm. have a certain sound that they want. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't make sense to have them like go back and like relearn how to like right. do everything to change their whole sound yeah. for a specific project. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I was yeah. curious, Eli, on your perspective about that, like, cause you do your own thing somewhat with sound um, producing yeah. and music side of stuff. What is the hardest thing for you that you've uh, encountered over the past year, year and a half you've been doing it? Well, in my own spare time, besides doing like freelance work, cause I just, started mm -hmm. getting into that the past couple months um i would say getting people to want to do it because music musicians are not always the most consistent people surprisingly um and you know they kind of have their own schedule and that you know they like to flake they'll not always be following their word um, right or show up when show they say up, yeah. yeah so it's hard to it's hard to get people to show up unless they're really dedicated and the really dedicated people i'm I really like to work with because then that means we can get something done or we can create something cool. So. Right. And those are the loyal people like Alex was talking about where you have those really good interactions with. Yep. Yep. Because it's crazy. you tend to not continue relationships with people who continuously flake out on you mm -hmm. or don't value your own time. Right. Like say you set up an entire day for something like you'll make plans to do this. You'll set up a session and mm -hmm. you call them and they're like, all right, ready to go. And then they're just like, oh, yeah. yeah it's it's a bummer and no that's interesting yeah. i i totally like to what both of you guys are saying i i've definitely noticed that in my own running uh clothing line it's a little bit it's different but it's in the same vein where i have very loyal people who are all about the brand all about what i do and they'll like follow everything and they'll always be supporting and buying stuff and then there's on the flip side of it there's people who are like completely against it and then you know they're like bashing me on all this stuff and it's like well then why are you still talking to me why do you still hang out with me like why are you still commenting and following me on this stuff if you don't like it you know right. yeah it's interesting and i'm sure you have people who are also like yeah i'm totally gonna get some of that stuff and then they never end up yeah, it to yeah. <laughs> that too <laughs> all, i hear that all the time yeah. too yeah yeah i get that too like i want to hire you to do this and this and this and, and then it never happens. they never like get Pe back to me people on like it. to mm -hmm. make plans but they yeah. don't always follow through yeah yeah. That's what that's what you notice about like genuine people who are actually driven, self motivated, like you were talking about earlier, because those people will actually follow through. Mm -hmm. It's more inexpensive for people to make plans and not follow through. Though, so <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. 
Um, so, uh, me and Eli talked about this a little bit beforehand, but what, do you think there's a difference between a small business owner and entrepreneur? And if so, what do you think the difference is? Well, I'd say a small business owner is probably the same thing as an entrepreneur in my perspective. Okay. But, um, because I'm both, I'd say, but an entrepreneur, I think is a lot of times like really self-motivated and you're always like doing stuff to like achieve like a goal or, Mm -hmm. uh, your vision basically. Um, I guess you can get lost if you're owning a business, kind of um, the vision that you have. Yeah. And you, like, kind of transfer over to, like, the money aspect. And, like, you start thinking of, like... You get caught up in that? Yeah. So if you're an entrepreneur, um, I mean... So do you think every small business owner is an entrepreneur? I wouldn't say so. I don't think so. I think a lot of small businesses, even, like, not all of them, not, not all small business owners started the business mm-hmm. uh it wasn't always their dream My, yeah many people i'm sure have like purchased out small businesses and right. then they own them after the person who like was Bought really passionate yeah. about that business like, like more of a risk taker yeah okay 100 percent. that's what i was we were talking about earlier i kind of agree with that in a sense that an entrepreneur is way more task oriented way more kind of building it from the ground up where business owners more focused on the book end of things and yeah. just kind of running a business and making money and profit and all that stuff but No, it's really interesting. Um, Now I wanted to get more into, we went, so we went skydiving a couple months ago, (laughs) which is one of the craziest experiences I've ever been, I've ever done. Can you, I want to touch a little bit on about that because I didn't know, are you someone who's afraid of heights or someone who is? I am completely terrified of heights. Even, even that I ride BMX and I'm jumping all the time. It's Mm -hmm. like, if I'm standing on the edge of something really tall, I just like picture myself falling off and it freaks me out. I'm like, yeah. whoa, I yeah. can't be right here. Right <laughs> <now."> <laughs> so you have a fear of falling or you like the fear of like, I think it's the heights that scares me. But like, I just think of like, what could happen? Like if I fell off this right now and it mm-hmm. freaks me out. So I like have yeah. to walk away from it. Right. If I'm ever standing on like the ledge of something, like we went to Montana this summer and when we were standing on the ledge of like this high area, like on that wall on the side of the road, um, it was like uneasiness in my feet that I got. Like, yeah, is some I can't explain it, but mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. No, it's interesting. But have you ever had any experience like if you're standing on top of a like a really nice bluff or something like a really like tall mountain where you're like twelve thousand feet up, but you're literally on the ground? Do you still get that same feeling of uncertainty or like that you're gonna fall? It depends on what if what's around me. I'm more scared if it's like a straight down cliff in front of me, like okay. it's like right there. But mm-hmm. if I'm like really high up in a mountain and there's like a trail I walked up to get there, it's yeah. not really scary because I can just walk. You are down. on the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So would you going talking about the skydiving stuff a little bit? What do you think was the? Um, what did you learn most from that experience of jumping out of a plane? Uh, I don't know. It was pretty unreal. Um, I didn't. I wasn't scared to do it um, until I got in the doorway of the plane when we were about to jump out. So <laughs> and I realized I, it was pretty scary. That's uh, when I lost contact with you guys because I was there doing like little video stuff for it. Um, and. I couldn't like get into the plane with you guys. I yeah. was just there and then I had to back off while the plane took off. So I didn't get to see that. I'm like, I knew you guys were like a little bit kind of sketched out, but you guys seemed really into it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. It was... made, made me want to do it, but I also was like, nah. <laughs> you got to do it sometime. Time. So I'll probably do it. I'll eventually do it, I'm sure. But it's, I think it's something everyone should do in their lifetime. I think it's something that even if, you know, you're terrified of heights or you can't even do roller coasters like me, like I, I get scared on the third floor of Mall of America, but it's something that, you know, it's 
it opens up your mind and opens up your perspective that like you put so much faith in yourself and so much faith in just like, I don't know, it's hard to describe or put into words, but I think it's a, it's, it, it, um, you learn a lot of value from it as far as like, I don't know where I'm going with this, like trust in yourself, I guess, or trust in the whole, uh, community of stuff. Cause you literally meet a stranger and then 10 minutes later, he's like in control of your life. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't too worried about the skydiving until we were like sitting in the plane flying up and the two instructors that had you and I were going up and my instructor was like talking to your instructor and he says, Oh, I'm glad you have that shoot because mine has a hard time opening. <laughs> I was like, what? Hold on. <laughs> You're, we're going to have a hard time opening our shoot. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> so that freaked me out a little bit. But I don't know. The heights thing didn't really scare me at all because when we, like, jumped out, yeah. you couldn't even tell how high you were because the ground didn't get closer. Totally. Like, yeah, because we're above the clouds. Yeah. You can't see anything. You couldn't see where the ground is, and you can't see how, like, fast you're moving through the air at all. You have, like, no perspective. Of... Kind of a loss of sense. Yeah. 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 But it's really interesting because when we were at the very top and then the guy opens up the door and you're literally looking out of the edge. So <laughs> he pushes you up to the edge and you're not allowed to hold onto either end of the so door. You're like dangling out the edge yeah. and he's just holding you there. <laughs> like... And yeah, your personal instinct is just to go, oh shit, grab everything so yeah. you don't fall out of the plane, but you can't touch anything. Why would we be walking towards this open door on a plane? What? Yeah. Yeah, and the, the plane was kind of sketchy too. It was like a little small plane yeah. and it was all rattly and... <laughs> No, that was definitely, I think everyone should do that because it, it goes so far out of your comfort zone and so far out of what you think is, you know, okay to do because, you know, you don't feel like you should be up in a plane jumping out of it. You know, that's not something that you feel like a social, like it's a, a normal thing to do, you know? Not a natural feeling. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. No, that was an epic journey. So going into, I want to talk a little bit about your adventures. I know you've done a lot of traveling. You've done a lot of BMX stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell tell me more about what you've learned on going these road trips and go to these contests and events. Like, do you find yourself enjoying a lot of them, or is it strictly more like, uh, I got to shoot all these photos, I got to get this done or that, or is it all more about just it being in the moment and enjoying the journey? I am more in the moment and enjoying it. Um, like when I've gone to BMX events and stuff, all the people there, like no matter where they're from in the whole world, like it's all like a big family. So like I have friends all over the world who ride BMX that I've met through BMX and Mm -hmm. we all like, we'll go out to dinner together and have a good time. And it's kind of more about that than the work related stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. Um, and for photography stuff, I also like if I'm traveling for that, I like to just enjoy the experience more than like think about it as work because I don't really think of any of my jobs as work. So, Mm -hmm. Which is a really good thing to do because a lot of people, I think, overlook that. They're, uh, one of the most cliche quotes is if you find a job you love, you'll never have to work in a day in your life. But, I mean, yeah. it's a very true statement. Like a lot of people can't relate to that probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is interesting because I've never really had that. I've always – every well, I guess besides a paper out when I was super young, but every job I've actually had I've really enjoyed. And if I didn't enjoy it, I wasn't working there for more than three months. But. Yeah, so – Besides working with bad people, then I feel like I'm working, but <laughs> yeah, that's the only one. Even like in all of retrospect, everything that you do is work. You know, it is mm. like effort. Cause that's what work is. Work is effort. But at the same time, you're enjoying it. You know, it's a good effort. It's something that you like to do. Yeah. And then there's also like that end goal. Like you see yourself, uh, that vision that you have, mm-hmm. um, 
any all these steps that you're taking even if you're sitting behind a computer for 12 hours a day like editing something you just like see this end goal and it's like really motivating to try to get to that spot and like finish like a project that you're working on mm-hmm. um do you ever reflect back on all the stuff that you've done or like look at uh, the different projects that you've done or people you've worked with? Yeah, all the time. Like I came over to your house that one day and I made that little snowboard uh, oh, yeah, yeah. video that popped up as a memory on my Facebook and I rewatched it and I was like, oh, that would be so fun to do another one of those. Um, yeah. Just small projects like that, that I have a really good time shooting and editing, like mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But there's also like those times when you're like, you have to do like the work to get to that goal so mm-hmm. you're still well, putting in effort or if there's a deadline that you have to reach and it's a really small window i suppose yeah. that can be stressful it's it's definitely stressful but it's it's more difficult when you don't feel like uh creative to like edit a whole video or something so like, oh sure but like if you're feeling creative and you're like really feeling it it's really easy you can like fly through stuff so mm. like you have to be in that right state of mind to get yeah. it tap into it you don't you don't want to not put something into it if you're not feeling like Mm -hmm. you could be somewhere better you don't want to like half-ass it because you feel like you're not in that creative spot like you're talking about yeah and i'm sure that's like the same with uh music stuff like you don't Uh want to rush through it and if like yeah like if i'm making like an instrumental or something like that i'll just slap something together be like this is terrible and i'll delete it or something like that and try again in like a week right versus if you spend like two days just building a one little piece it's way more mm-hmm. creative and way more genuine and yeah and there's there's been like events and stuff that have happened that have caused me to be super like one track minded and i have only focused on this one thing and i get super creative and you know unfortunately that's like sadness or stuff like emotions can really drive a creative 100 percent, a creative force mm-hmm. which is kind of cool but also unfortunate i was gonna ask about that do you think whenever if you're in a certain emotional state does that kind of depict how you take your photos or what you take photos of um a lot of times if i'm feeling creative i kind of like i don't put like a story into most of my pictures okay interesting even though a picture's worth a thousand words i know i (laughs) I think a lot of photographers like put stories into their photos and that's never been like for me specifically so what is into the the like art side of it like okay something creative like a perspective that most people wouldn't see like of a city or something mm-hmm. um like that photo of the bus you posted yeah. with the guy the business guy something walking like out that. like j- that was just his probably morning routine he does that every morning five mm-hmm. days a week but i just took a picture of him walking off the bus um it's just something that most people don't see because they're in these routines and they do the same thing every single day and they probably see the same people every day, but they don't have like a outside perspective of someone else on mm-hmm. what they're seeing. So you just want to showcase that. Yeah. I just did like a three part series on my Instagram of like mm-hmm. three different photos that I took of people's morning routines. Um, I just so, thought it was interesting to me because I don't have a morning routine. Right. I mean, I wake up at the same time every day pretty much, but I, I do something new every day. Do much. you have any routines that you've practiced daily? Uh, I drink coffee every day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, but I don't. Interesting. I don't stick to a routine. Do you ever feel like breaking that routine? Uh, the coffee routine. Yeah. Um, I thought about it once, but then I drank coffee and I changed my <laughs> mind. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I'm always. I I have to have like an hour and a half in the morning just for myself, and I just gather my thoughts and like 
put together what I'm going to get done throughout the day and kind of center myself for the whole day and set myself up for success or like meditate, do whatever I got to do. But it's really weird that you don't have a structure to like get things done or be, you know, motivated or driven. Well, I have these things in the back of my head, like, oh, I got to get these things done today. Okay. But like, I'll get them done. And I just usually, I don't know. I don't just, I don't schedule out my day to get things done. It just kind of get them, I get them done no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, I don't sleep much. Tell me about it. I work a lot at <laughs> night. Do you want to talk night. about that? <laughs> yeah. How much sleep do you get? That's a good question. Well, recently I've been sleeping more, but like the past couple of years I sleep like three to five hours a night. That's, like yeah. I, I've put a lot of effort into like what you do starting my business. And even if I have to work really long days and stuff like that, I've like, I haven't slept much. Do you think the coffee is attributed to this problem? I think the coffee helped me get the work done. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think is the least amount of sleep that you can run on? You're still max potential and you're not like, you know, sleep deprived. I like three hours. Really? At least. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's definitely like four or five. I need to get like at least five hours, then I'll be good to go. I've always had this thing in the back of my brain, like if you sleep an even number of hours, it's harder to wake up than if you sleep an odd number of hours. So. <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought about that. <laughs> um, I Weird. also, my alarms are all set for not like even time. So like this morning I got up at 7.02 instead of like 7 o'clock. I don't yeah, know. I, I do the like same thing. Those... I set like that weird time. It's just, I don't know if it's like a brain thing, but it's just like, it's easier for you to get up. Yeah, I've talked to different people and nobody, like some people have like, 15 minute increments like all throughout the morning that they set their alarms for and mm-hmm. like 30 minute ones and mine are like super random they'll be like somewhat around the same amount of time differences but they're like random numbers around then so like 702 or 836 like, or something yeah. like do you hit the snooze button a lot uh sometimes but i mean i try to just wake up mm-hmm. in the morning uh recently i've been sleeping more um i don't know if it's the weather or <laughs> I don't know. A lot of in the winter, I'm a lot slower for photography work. Yeah, there's not as much going on. Not as much, so I can kind of relax. relax. Yeah, but in the summer, like I've done seven weddings in a ten day span. And That's insane. Weddings can be from like twelve to sixteen hours long. So <laughs> yeah, that can be a lot. Long days. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not just you though, right? Like you have a couple people who are all shooting together, so it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, it depends. So I've done weddings alone, but um, a lot of times I'm working as a second photographer for my friend Kyle, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll do like wedding videos. And then the last one I did, I hired Eli as my like. That's right. I who was your employee of the month that month? Eli was the employee of the month. He's the only <laughs> person right. I hired that month. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. You have to tell him that. <laughs> Gosh, that's funny. Just had to let him know. <laughs> Yeah, so we're uh, there's something that we I want to talk about earlier that you made me think of, and I can't remember because we started talking about sleep. Yeah, like it's weird because I start I get up at five every morning, and it's like now on even on the weekends I'll get up at like five thirty, and I won't set an alarm because I want to sleep in, but my brain is so wired to get up that early. It's like okay, I guess I'm starting the day. Like yeah, I'm a, I'm more of a night person, so I don't get up that early. I get up at six fifty, mm. so like seven basically. Yeah. Um, I just like the idea of waking up at 6.50. It seems earlier than 7. It makes me feel more motivated for the day. No doubt. But I still stay up pretty late. Um, Definitely past midnight every night. So Yeah, I usually try and be asleep by midnight so I can get that five-hour because I don't get home from work until 10, 30, 11 most days. Mm -hmm. you got to have that time to wind down and get ready for bed. Exactly. Do you ever set at the end of the day, do you like write out or do you have like a planner that you keep for you so you can keep track of stuff or do you just keep it in your head? 
Uh, I keep a lot of it in my head. Really? Uh, a lot of the people I work with, it's like, I'll work with them for a day. I'll do all the work in a day. Oh, and so it's like, not... And then it's all saved on my computer, and then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I just have to edit these photos, and then I have to upload them to here. Interesting. So it's, like, easy for me to keep those in, in check. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I worked with a lot more clients than I work with, it would be, like, a lot harder to keep track of, and I'd have to start writing stuff down. But mm-hmm. I work with a lot of, like, consistent clients, and I, like, know exactly what they want all the time, so it's, like, easy for me to do, like, pretty quickly. Sure. And... uh it doesn't take much time or effort for me. So, <laughs> so I thought of I thought of the thing I want to talk about. What is uh, this goes back a, a couple topics ago? But what is your end goal vision? What is it, where do you want to be in a couple of years? You know, what are you working towards? What do you want to create or develop? I'd really love to do like a ha, own a production company and like film commercials and stuff, or do like commercial photography for like advertisements and stuff for big, mm. bigger companies. It's like an agency kind of thing. Um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, an agency production company. Like, I really want. I think it would be super cool to make commercials and like tell stories for companies. Like, I don't know if you've seen like different like activewear brands. They'll like tell a story with like an athlete for yeah. like a commercial or mm-hmm. do do things like that. I think that would be cool. So kind of like an inspirational storytelling. Yeah. Like motion picture vibe, but for like advertisement right. or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen um, things. There's this. Uh, clothing company called Supra. They did a thing where these guys basically—it's a maybe like a two and a half minute commercial type thing—and they like he gets a call on his phone and he his buddy go out wearing the Supra brand or bring a watch and a pair of shoes for this guy at this party or whatever. And mm-hmm. so it just kind of shows him skating through the streets of I think Los Angeles probably, um, and just all the things that they go through until they get to their end goal and then they. It all, it's all about the brand. They right. kind of show off the different things that they That's offer. That's cool. Yeah. Stuff like that? Yeah, pretty much that. I always thought the end goal that I wanted was to be, like, a travel photographer and filmmaker and, like, be able to travel the world and do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of, like, transitioned out of it because it's, like, I think a really stressful thing to have to, like... on Constantly be on the road. Like, when you're traveling and then you have to do the work. Well, yeah. Either, like, this is, like, your job now and mm-hmm. you can't enjoy the traveling as much. I'd rather be able to, like, have a job I love at home, do mm-hmm. it here. And then, like, when I want to go travel, I can still enjoy, like, the photography aspect of it. And you and, don't feel pressured to do those photos yeah, and stuff and you then find like it inspirational spending money to go on these trips and stuff then you don't have to like oh i have to make all this money back yeah right yeah so why why do you do what you do then why do you take so many photos why do you work with these people why do you work with all these clients and why do you want to do commercials for companies and create these advertisements um i don't know i just am always i've always been really interested in like visuals and like cinema and stuff like that and mm. um I guess doing it as a job, it's just, like, a lot of fun for me to, like, work with these people. And then I've also met a lot of cool people through it. And Yeah, I bet. Yeah. And it's given me, like, a lot of cool opportunities. Like, when Eli and I went to Montana, that was mm-hmm. for, for work. I was working there. So um, right. that kind of helped us get there and, like, see some stuff out there, like Glacier National Park. And then we went mm-hmm. to Yellowstone, too. And that was yeah. pretty awesome. So. <laughs> Any uh, geysers go off? We missed it. We were looking for a hotel. So. <laughs> we, di- we didn't, like, plan our hotels at all. We kind of just yeah. drove out there, and we're like, we'll just figure it out on the spot. Yeah, we'll figure like, it out kind of that afternoon or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes it was pretty difficult because I have Sprint, and Verizon's, like, the only 
like service that gets any coverage in Montana. I, uh-huh. I think so, it's probably a good thing that I came along. Because yes. You would, that would have been very difficult for you been to tough. get service. Um, yeah. When we were in Yellowstone, the service for you didn't work at all, yeah, probably because there's of how no many service people at all were around. <laughs> and then we were like, I had to pay for Wi-Fi to find us a place. <laughs> I got like, I paid for an hour of Wi-Fi or something for like 13 <laughs> bucks or something. It, it was not good <laughs> it was Wi-Fi. super slow Wi-Fi. And I was like struggling to find somewhere to stay. Like, obviously you don't just choose the first place because we were, I was like trying to keep a budget and stuff. Yeah. So I was like looking through stuff and then like, I booked one at like the last second before that hour of Wi-Fi was out. <laughs> I didn't really want to spend more money on Wi-Fi, so that's crazy. We were like right by Old Faithful, like well, yeah. we were <laughs> it was like going the, off while I was booking a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this kind of goes into the next topic I want to talk about, where a lot of these adventures and you know work trips are. I'm sure you've come up with so many good stories and so many like different experiences throughout it. What do you think you've learned the most about having these random stories and experiences like not having Wi-Fi and having to pay 13 bucks to find a hotel? And uh, I wouldn't really say, I mean, I think it's more fun to be more spontaneous. I don't, I've never thought like planning a whole trip is fun. I think it's more fun to like, mm. when I went to Iceland, I went to Iceland in the end of May, early June, like that week. And, uh, I went with my mom and sister, but I had originally planned to just go alone. And then I like told my mom about it and she's like, Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And we just looked at tickets and then she booked one for herself and my sister. So they went along, but we didn't plan anything Mm. in Iceland to do. Like we kind of just went there, rented a car and then we ended up driving around the entire country. What? (laughs) The entire outside of the country. We saw all of Iceland in one week. So <laughs> it was pretty nuts. You That's could, cool. You could get a lot done. Just, I feel like when you make a plan for like trips and stuff, you miss out on a lot of the other cool experiences, like mm-hmm. just that you stumble upon. Mm-hmm. Um, when like, you're like planning to go to these spots that everyone talks about, they're like really touristy places. You don't like see these other places that like maybe no one goes to like things you just overlook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like this small town we went and stayed in, we found like these really cool, like, black sand beaches that like nobody was at and stuff like that like and you would have never known if you didn't visit this tiny town yeah because there's like certain black sand beaches in iceland that are like super touristy destination spots and like oh okay everyone goes to them and then other times when we were driving like i saw a sign that said glacier next left and like it wasn't (laughs) like a touristy destination spot for anyone like yeah we pulled over and we walked like I don't know, a hundred meters or something. I just, <laughs> I just said meters, but we're in America. <laughs> it wasn't it very far. <laughs> it wasn't very far. Yeah. And there was just this glacier. I've never seen a glacier before, and I was just all of a sudden walking on a glacier. Yep. Like it was pretty insane. Yeah, you I can just... imagine. And then like you would watch big chunks of this glacier fall off into the lake and stuff. It was, it was unreal. I don't know. <clears throat> so I, have you always been uh, really spontaneous, or did you kind of develop that after you started your own thing? That was kind of uh, more developed. It's so I was like kind of like a shyer kid when I was younger. Yeah, totally. That's out. why. And then you completely changed yeah. to like different person. I think that was when I started riding in BMX shows and like traveling around with like the factory doing shows. Okay. Um, I had more experiences when I from like a pretty like younger age, like fifteen. I started like traveling around the kind of country. Um, just performing and you get a lot of like random experiences with a lot of new people and you kind of have to like be more open to talking to people Mm -hmm. and like 
yeah, so that's where I you just kind of had to adapt to that situation. Yeah, that's how I like learned to break out of like that barrier, and then like since then it just slowly gone away and. That's cool. Now it's your everyday norm. Pretty much, and it's definitely helpful. I'm glad that I found BMX and I was able to do that. So, so aside from being spontaneous, what's another thing that you think is very important to uh, kind of ha- having that fulfilling lifestyle or living a happy life that is exciting? And hmm, living a happy life. <laughs> I don't know. I live a happy life all the time. I think. Okay, not all the time. No one lives a happy life all the time, I don't yeah. think. But um, I'm super happy where I am. Uh, I've had bad experiences, and I've definitely learned from them, like my knee injury. And that's helped me um, grow as a person. And I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't really... Do you think bad experiences are more beneficial than... Or not more beneficial, but I think help in a way that like other experiences don't? I'd, I'd say so. I think you definitely learn more from bad experiences okay. than, like, if you're, like, having good experiences all the time, you're not going to learn new things, you know? If everything's kind of handed to yeah. you, you're not, like, learning ways to overcome obstacles and things. Okay, like. Yeah. And I think when you overcome those obstacles, like, if you set a goal for yourself and you run into a bunch of obstacles during achieving that goal, and then you finally achieve that goal, it's, like, really fulfilling because you put in all this effort and work and you're like, wow, I just, I created this. Yeah. And you're like, if I can do that, then I can do this. And then mm-hmm. it kind of like builds snowball effect. Like, yeah, you kind of No, it's, it's really interesting. Cause I've definitely noticed that where people have like, let's say they take a prefabbed building and it's like, they didn't really create it. It was already there. You know, it already existed. They just kind of took hold of it, took ownership of it and called it their own. But it's like, I think it's a lot less valuable if you take a prefab building or take, you know, something that's already existed versus building something from the ground up and creating a whole foundation for yourself. Yeah. Um, so basically that like happiness and success, I think those go together really well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think success is based on achieving goals. Okay. It makes you feel successful when you achieve a goal and no matter how small the goal is, like, I remember when I started riding BMX and I'd set these small goals for myself, like to learn a new trick every time I go and ride. And like that was really motivating me for me to get better every time I went in a road because I exciting. Yeah. You get super excited when you learn something new, like mm-hmm. that, that obstacle thing I was talking about. You're not going to land everything first try. Mm-hmm. So it can be frustrating, like crashing over and over again. But when you finally land it, then it's like really fulfilling. And then you achieve that goal and then you feel like successful from that thing. And then it like drives you you to want to do it again and again Mm -hmm. and again. Well, I feel like too, and even in life, like this applies to anything, but when you constantly fail and then you achieve that thing or land that new trick, it's like, okay, that was cool. Now what can I do next? Or what can I do more? You know, what's the next thing I can try next thing I can learn. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think like success is like the end goal. Like this is, success mm-hmm. for me but i think it's something that grows with you as you're learning new things and 100 percent you're growing well, you, as a person so you shouldn't just stop once you hit the success yeah so you your keep, success you should find too. a way to keep going yeah. yeah well and i think success and like that's an ever ongoing thing it's not a destination like it's a journey like alan watts i know we talked about alan watts last week but mm-hmm. he said that uh life is not life is like a dance 
So it's not about, you know, getting to the end. It's not about racing to the finish line. It's about enjoying of the dance, of the whole performance of it. It's about being there and, you know, going with the flow of everything, not necessarily just racing to the finish. He talked. He made a comparison to uh, symphonies and people who play in orchestras. They don't just play the um, the grand finale or the end of it, because if that's all you, then you just hear that every day, and that wouldn't or like that would be the whole orchestra is just those end pieces. But it's like you want to hear the entirety of the piece so you can see the growth and hear the whole journey of it. Mm-hmm. Like musicians that play with feeling rather than just play through the songs. Mm-hmm. This Alan Watts guy sounds pretty enlightening. I've never heard of him. But <laughs> really? I should check him out. You should. He's a very famous <laughs> philosopher. Awesome. Yeah, he's a cool person. And um, I don't know if you've heard of Simon Sinek. He's a, so he's a leadership speaker, and he talks about, when I asked you earlier, like, what's why do you do what you do? He has a statement called the golden rule. Okay. So businesses uh, often succeed because they are very uh, open to why uh, they like why they do what they do. So mm-hmm. there's the why, there's the what, and there's a how. A lot of people know what the business is. Some people know how they do uh, the business and how they produce what they make, but very few people know why they exist. And if you put why first, a lot more people, I think, gravitate towards that because it's way more authentic and it really shows what you believe and, you know, the cause of why your business even exists and why you're doing what you're doing. So I think a lot more people are willing to follow it more so. But Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I don't know. With my business, I've just been super motivated because it's something I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, a few years ago, maybe two years ago, I was like selected to be in this group of people between the ages of 16 and 21. It's a, it's an entrepreneur group called Studio E, mm. and they were doing like so this this group to like um, participate in. It's like a seven thousand uh, dollar event. Like okay. it's these these two entrepreneurs who started this, and they basically like teach you all of what they know and these tool. They give you these tools to like help you grow as a business and stuff. Mm-hmm. But they did like one for like younger like entrepreneurs and stuff and yeah. they selected like 30 people to do uh sounds really cool for free so yeah i got to go to this thing for free and how i heard of it is my mom was actually in the in the group her company sent her to this uh group to like learn all about all that stuff yeah um, that she was working for and she like mentioned me to them and then they like selected me to go do it and they gave me like all these tools like I remember I wrote a letter to myself five years in the mm-hmm. future and like where I saw myself and all these things and stuff. And I see a lot of the things like starting to come true. Like I remember I wanted to start working with bigger companies and stuff like that. And over the past year I've worked with like Target and 1-800-Flowers. And, wow. Like, pretty, pretty bigger companies. Yeah, mainstream uh, stuff. Yeah. And I didn't ever expect that two years ago that I'd be working with companies like that. Um mm-hmm. Especially Target. Target's a huge company. Right. Like, I would have never expected that. So it's kind of cool to see, like, just having that in your mind. Like, I know you have vision boards. It's mm-hmm. like having that in your mind every day. Right. Like, it helps you achieve these goals. And I remember they helped me a bunch with, like, teaching, like, ways, like, you can help yourself be successful. Mm-hmm. Um I have like a whole notebook. I am sure I could go into about. So do you do you write down a lot of your goals and your visions and your aspirations or no? I did. I did. In they gave me like a whole like 
book of like different tools I could write down right. goals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember they had like this little pie pie chart thing, and it like was split into like five categories or something, and then it like had you write like different amounts that you wanted to put into these different parts of your life to oh, help okay. yourself be successful. Like I want to put 50% of my time into this and then like 20% into this mm-hmm. or 10% into this and another 20. Um, and I remember I put like, I want to focus all of my energy on photography. Like <laughs> it was yeah. like super important to me, <laughs> but like, I'm sure there's, that's probably not healthy. Well, to, <laughs> do I don't like, know. I think, the more energy you put into one thing, the obviously the quicker it's going to grow. And I think Mm -hmm. the more potential you can see out of it and the more you can learn, the more you can do with it. Like since you're, you don't have a, like a, well, I guess you do have a couple regular day jobs, but you invest a lot of time in solely photography. So you can learn a lot more, a lot easier and you can experience a lot of different things. Yeah. So I just, uh, like I said, in the winter, I don't really work much for photography. I still like take jobs here and there, but since I do so much wedding photography, it's like, Mm -hmm there's not many weddings in the winter in Minnesota. Yeah. So I do find other work. Like right now I'm working with soda clothing and oh, uh, cool. my friend, Spencer Johnson, he's the owner of soda clothing and he's an entrepreneur as well. Mm-hmm. He started this company in, uh, in college and he just had this idea in this class. Like I think it was an entrepreneurship class and he had to come up with an idea to start a clothing company and he came up with soda clothing and decided to drop out of school and pursue run with it yeah wow and now he owns like a super successful business where he has like a bunch of employees and his whole family working for him now Mm -hmm. and that was just all from one idea in college that he had so yeah it's pretty mind-blowing like what can happen out of just an idea or like you know if you have some something that just clicks in your brain you're like wow i could do so much with this and then you Mm -hmm. know it's really crazy to see what you can actually do as a human being pretty powerful have Mm -hmm. you been able to talk with him about that like being an entrepreneur and like starting out small and then kind of growing your business and stuff so he's a pretty busy guy well i Um, imagine (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i've talked to him here and there about it i know like he's put a lot of effort into this business Mm -hmm. along with like um and he i think he's done it the right way too the way he's grown his business. He's got like a booth at the state fair. He owns Mm -hmm. a whole building in St. Louis park where his warehouse and offices are right along with, he opened up his storefront in um, August. So I think he's definitely taken the right steps to be a successful entrepreneur. I wish I could talk to him more about it. Um, I'm sure I'll get the chance eventually to talk to him about it more, but so what I have a question. What's one thing that you could you want to tell or you want the audience to know about you or about what they should get out of this podcast? Um let me think about that one for a second. Okay. Uh so Eli, what's one thing oh, you want? <laughs> one thing I want people to take away from this podcast? Yeah, this episode specifically. This episode specifically. Well, I know it comes up a lot, I'm sure, but like find something that keeps you motivated, like Mm-hmm. Alex has his photography. I think Chaz talked about last week was his photography. He likes doing photography as a hobby mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I I like music. Ian likes riding bikes. Find something that you like to do and do it to an extent that is healthy. I don't know. I'll probably erase <laughs> that bit. <laughs> no, dude. Always keep it raw. Keep it. Leave it all in. It shows who you are. I mean, who <laughs> <what> cares? <laughs> all right. So what I think I want people to take from this this podcast um is don't let like the really bad times like bring you down and not motivate you to keep pursuing that ultimate goal or um 
achieving your dreams because I know that when I tore my ACL and I had that experience, um, that 10-month recovery, it's so hard to keep going. But, like, mm-hmm. it's it's something you love to do. If it's something you love to do, you should keep going after it, like, even if you, you have, like, really hard times. Um, along with photography, I've, I've had really bad times in photography, too, where I, like, don't feel creative. I don't want to do it at all. But right. it's just, like you know that it's you enjoy it so much and i think you should yeah regardless there's a bigger picture Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) i'm I'm gonna add in that sound effect (laughs) i don't know man (laughs) i'm probably gonna erase a lot of the stuff i say in this podcast (laughs) no leave it in man it's all good no that's really cool i think that uh it's really true that like no matter even if there's a really like negative client or something's not going well or like you know, people are flaky and they're not falling through. It's like at the end of the day, you're still doing what you enjoy and you're still trying to get to that goal and you're still working towards it regardless of what people are reacting to you. So yeah. I think that's super important. Let the negatives be positive. <laughs> not even that. Let the negatives motivate you. I mean, that's what I've been learning. It's like whenever I had a, a bad day or like something's not working out, it's like this just going to motivate me to work harder or like know that you know, the grass is greener on the other side or whatever you want to say. It's like, it's very true that let the negatives be positive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the fact that you said the, you got into photography because of your injury. So if you hadn't gotten the injury, you probably wouldn't be where you are right now with that, with photography. You're completely right. And I don't think I could do BMX for the rest of my life. So I think mm-hmm. it's uh, definitely probably a, a benefit. A benefit. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. That's kind of wild. Yeah, it is. That's, that's just it. Like sometimes some of the most random scenarios that you thought was like such a, you know, harmful impact your life can turn out to be like one of the best moments of your life or the most pinnacle moments. Cause you come to some sort of realization. It's like, wow, I should be doing this instead of this. Yeah. I never saw myself doing photography as a job because in school I was never like school motivated. Like mm-hmm. I was never like a books kind of person. So I didn't see myself like working in an office, going to college or doing any of that kind of stuff. I saw myself doing something more hands-on, like working out as a construction worker or like something like that. And right. Then, like, it's not, I didn't want to do that kind of stuff, but that's like all I really saw myself doing because I was a more hands-on person and I didn't really think of like an artistic uh, field to go into because I didn't really think I was artistic at all. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, I was realizing that as I picked up photography kind of like randomly, like oh, I could do this as a job, mm-hmm. and I, like, really enjoyed it, so it yeah, like, just try worked stuff. out well. Try yeah. something new. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, this has been awesome. This has been a really good podcast. I enjoyed sitting down. Yeah, pretty stoked about it. <laughs> um, there's one thing I wanted to touch on quick before we go. When you just talked about um, when you were younger and you never thought that you'd be able to do this for a living – how, cause I know for a lot of people it can be hard to kind of dream big and have that stuff. But for you, it seems like it was never a problem. Have you always been that kind of person where you just kind of throw reality out the door and be like, well, anything is possible. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, so when I was younger, I was like r- afraid of like not being like, like putting myself out there, I'd say, mm-hmm. but I was like, I wanted security and stuff like that. But as I've like, gone farther in bmx and stuff like that i think that helped me a lot like realize oh i can do a lot more than i think i can right i remember i heard this like this has probably nothing to do with photography but (laughs) 
No, go um, for it. <laughs> um, this marathon or this triathlon runner said, when you think you're like physically incapable of doing anything else, you've only really exerted like 40% of what you're capable of. So, I think I've heard that before. Wow. Wasn't that the guy who's like 50 years old? Yeah, and he's, he's done... like old and he's like yeah. holds a bunch of world records for triathlons. And yeah. Stuff. Which I think is super cool because even if it's you've exerted forty percent of your stuff, that's you have sixty percent of untapped capability. Like, mm-hmm. and you can apply that to just about anything. So like, it doesn't have to be physical necessarily. Mm-hmm. How how would you give advice to people who feel that exhaustion? They feel like they have nothing left. How do you get yourself to tap into that extra sixty percent? You know, when you feel like you're at zero, your tank is at empty. I'd say go do something that you are passionate about again and then uh, re-spark your, like, your mind to want to continue to go after a certain goal that you have. Like, mm. for me, I've had, like, certain times where I, like, am not excited about photography and stuff like that. But, like, if I go back to where I started, like, doing, like, photography outdoors and, like, doing city photography, I really enjoy it a lot. It, mm. like, helped me spark my creative, like... Get back, back to your roots. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, like wow, this is why I do this. So then it, like, helped me go back and do that. That's actually why I did that little three-part series on my Instagram <laughs> of the morning routine thing. Cool. That's awesome. Because I was thinking, like, oh, I'm not really enjoying this right now. I, I want to come up with something creative, like, I might enjoy, like, so I went and did that. And mm-hmm. I just went to Minneapolis at 6 in the morning. I got up super early sunrise i went down to minneapolis and i just started taking pictures of people mm-hmm. and i like started realizing like wow people do this every single day and then yeah. i made like a little little series out of it and it helped me like realize wow this is this is enjoyable yeah I like, yeah i like this got that focus back and that centered mm-hmm. so that that helped me spark my uh cool. imagination and stuff so. this has been awesome i think one thing I want to say before we end is like all after interviewing all these people, we're on episode 15 now. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's like, yeah, there's a lot of reoccurring themes and a lot of like, you know, reoccurring stories. And it's really cool to see how everyone has their own personal story, but yet they all kind of coincide with the same core beliefs of like reflecting back on what you, what you're proud of and kind of recentering yourself by doing your going back to what makes you most creative and what brings you the most excitement so it's really cool just to hear those different unique stories, but have that baseline of um, belief system, I guess. Yeah. Imagine if you interviewed someone who wasn't motivated and see what their perspective on the world is. That's a that's an interesting. How would we find someone like that? Like... I think we could interview Eli. <laughs> oh, dude! <laughs> just <Got> kidding. <laughs> no, we did that, and you're right about that. Those weren't very good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's a that's a good idea, though. I should try and find someone. Find, find like... someone who's like pretty negative and yeah, like, like pessimist. Doesn't enjoy like anything they do. Like yeah. they hate their job. They don't. Absolutely have hates like a life. positive outlook on life and interview them and see what their opinions are and see if it maybe goes back to the same thing. So if any of the That'd listeners have anyone in, in mind, <laughs> drop, hit a a, comment. drop a comment. Yeah. Hit Ian up. Well, even if you want something different, let me know. Like if you want to see something else or if, what do you want us to do next or what can I do to make you more excited about being a part of Make Happiness? So, And then also I want to touch on Make Happiness event in January. It's going to be epic. Artist showcase, my good friend Cody. I really want to get him on this podcast before the event, but we'll see if his schedule works out. So it's going to be really cool. We're going to have a showcase, happy hour, and then I'm going to give a motivational seminar for about 45 minutes about personal development and kind of my story. 
uh, I'll share stuff that I've learned about my experiences and different tools and skills that I think are really helpful with living a, a good, successful, happy life. So stay tuned. I hope to see you all out there. It'll be Honest Studios in Minneapolis, just right off of Washington. It's actually right next to the Spy House in downtown, if you know where that is. So There's a Spy House in downtown? Yeah, right off of Washington. Uh, by one-on-one bike shop. Uh, you didn't know about that is it in the north loop yeah okay yeah is yeah. it oh it's in that like the spy house that's like all glass yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah it's right next door about. to that all right i can give you guys the address it's 905 north washington avenue minneapolis yep, i know where that is there you go i go there sometimes <laughs> like all the time because i love coffee yeah coffee is good and work so i work there <laughs> um but yeah thank you all for listening i really appreciate you like the five people who are still here and stuck out to the end You are the loyal people, and I love you dearly, and I mean that sincerely. So thank you, and always remember to make some happiness. Boom.